This is NRL Boom Rookies. And welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies, presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard, and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello. Doing it all again. Round four, five, doesn't matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. You know, it does matter, but we're just back. We're back in your ear holes. Absolutely, you are. Spitting those takes that you love so much. Fresh off a little sojourn up to Brisbane for WrestleMania 1, and we'll get there in a few minutes. But first of all, we've got to start with the first game on Friday night. Um, and that is the Melbourne Storm breaking their mini mini slide to uh, beat the West Tigers twenty four to twelve in a pretty humdrum affair. It's a, it's definitely a game that happened. Mm. Like a, a a rugby league match was played at Amy Park that fateful Friday night, and we can never take that away from anyone who was involved. Yeah, well said. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I I think that obviously. West were up against it. They made a few lineup changes this week. Um, nothing they did really. I didn't. Do it. I mean, you know, I don't think anyone thought they were going to sort of make a late burst and, and make the contest in just interesting when Coruscant went over. But uh, yeah, not really much intrigue in this one at all. Munster was pretty good. Trent Liera probably had his best game as a Storm player. I thought um, you could like. I know it's it sounds dumb because we all know how good Munster is, but you could really tell the difference that he made. Mm. Further Storm just gave them a little bit more creativity, a little bit more inspiration, and I I felt like this. Like to me, the Storm played like a team that was a little bit low on confidence, and then as soon as they were able to put on those four tries in twenty odd minutes or whatever, after the Tigers sort of kept pace with them for that opening quarter, and then the Storm surged away, and then they were like, you know what, we can just shut up shop and and you know ride this lead all the way home. You know, Munster was really good. Olam made a really big difference. He did. I thought it was his one of his better games in a good while. I thought Josh King was really impressive in the middle of the field as well. Um, it was nice to see Billy Bricks get over after a tough couple of weeks. For the Tigers, again, we're just running out of things to say already, and we're only a month into the season. I thought John Bateman was really good when he was out there, and I think it's a it's a it's something maybe you can't rely on Bateman putting in kicks and doing weird shit all the time. But I do think he's in a better position to succeed in this Tigers team than other players might be because a lot of what Bateman does is really singular, mm. you know. And they are they are still playing to me like a team without a lot of cohesion and without a lot of. Um, Without a lot of fluency between 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 the players and what they're doing and all that, and you know the Kepawa try was a good example of that. That was just Bateman tracking across field and doing stuff, and the Coruscant try was the same. It was hilarious <laughs> how Nick Meany just looked totally the wrong way, and then <laughs> Coruscant got him. And then when you see Meany turn towards the the camera again, even Nick Meany's laughing, so even he could see the the funny side of it. I'm sure he beat Craig, me sure straight Craig up. Melby didn't, but pay uh, that man his money. Yeah. But yeah, with with the Rabbitohs and Roosters on the horizon for Melbourne, this was a game they had to win, and it wasn't particularly impressive by any means. But after the couple of lean results they've had, something they they did they had to win this game, and and they did, and they were fine, weren't they? Yeah, I thought so. Jonah Pezzett was really impressive in in the halves again. I think there might be a tough decision coming when Jerome Hughes comes back. It wouldn't surprise me if they switched Munster back to fullback. Yeah, they kept Pezzett and Hughes in the halves until Pappenhausen's fit again, whenever that may be. I really liked um, I really liked Pezzett down that right edge with Katoa. I thought I thought they combined I thought they combined really, really well and just gave them a lot a lot um, a lot more strike. Like Hughes is a is a great player. We all know how good Jerome Hughes is, but he is a runner first and foremost and mm. Pezzett seems to be more of a distributor, so it sort of opened things up a little bit more for them down that side. So, you know, there's 
there's still there's still things that are developing at Melbourne, but you're right. They just had to they just had to get bad on ball in this one, and they did, you know, which is great. The Tigers go to Brisbane next, and then Easter Monday against the Eels. Is it, when's the win coming? Well, I I can tell you, I can tell you that a lot of Broncos folks of seeing this Tigers game as a bit of a track. Well, they did beat them up there last that's year, That's the right? thing, because the Tigers have just inexplicably done pretty well against Brisbane over the last couple of years. But, you know... You, Come on. No, I know. You're kind of clutching at straws on that one. You know, Brisbane away, that's really, really tough, especially with how high they're flying at the moment. And then Para Easter Monday, when Para looked to have sorted a couple of things out, it's looking pretty grim. I hadn't realised that the Tigers hadn't won a game with Luke Brooks since last May. That's pretty bad. You know, it's not it's not it's not what you want. It's Inle- not what you want. Unless they beat Manly in round eight at Campbelltown, I reckon they could be winless at Magic Round. Jeez, oh, that's Well they've got a buy, they've got Penrith again and they've got um that's it. Yeah, buy Penrith Manly after that's, that power game. That's so. some hard living, man. That's some hard living. Like there, there were a couple of things that were alright. I thought Junior Tupo was pretty good. He's on good. The wing. I like him. He's someone who seems to have a bit about him. Um, I think Asu Kepaol has been a, a real quiet achiever for him this year. I think he's done really well at centre and second row. Api Korosau continues to just try everything. Every trick he knows, he's he's pulling them all out of the bag. He's doing everything he can, but he's just really lacking a lot of support. Um, I'm officially a little bit worried about Isaiah Papali'i because this is three games now that he's played where he hasn't looked like mm. the force he was at Parramatta at all. Not like not 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 even close. He's the best to me he was the best back rower in the league when he was at the Eels yeah. through a combination of strike and work rate. And I just don't think he's offering either of those things at the at the moment at the Tigers. And I don't know why. Maybe it's one of those maybe like the tough World Cup campaign and the extended season and he's still finding his way into it and all that. But um he's someone that I expected a lot from at West and he, I just don't think he's quite providing it right now yeah oh well all right Move. <laughs> well i mean what can you do like, i know what, i know what can like, you say? It, it's just what terrible because you like, that you, you're right that guy was amazing last year yeah. best back around the comp at least in the conversation and yeah it's just been fine this year and that's just appears to be the way things go for west they sign guys who we see at other clubs and they look great and then they come put on a tiger's jersey and something weird happens and I don't believe in curses or anything like that, but their fans do. Their fans genuinely think they're cursed to the point where good players will go there and get worse for no other reason than the fact that they now play for the Tigers. It's incredible. But, <laughs> I mean, the, there's so up. much evidence. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> who are we to question that? Oh, man, tough times. All right, moving on to the main game on Friday night. Dolphins 12, Brisbane 18. Uh, Mr. Burns, you mentioned you wanted an opening tirade. Yes, thank you, Kent. The Kevolution is upon us, my friends. Many failed to take heed of the warning it was coming. The government tried to put their best man on the job this weekend. And when he wasn't available, they sent up the man with more flip-flops than a Haviana's vending machine, Nicholas Campton, to get the job done. But unfortunately for him and many other faceless government officials... Whilst it takes just one man to start a Kevolution, no one man can stop one. No matter how many times he banged on the desk in the media box on Friday night and repeated, they were supposed to come 10th. He was powerless to impact the result at Suncorp Stadium on the night. Like any classic battle of Brisbane, 
This was one of good versus evil. One side, the plucky underdogs. The media that wrote them off in this preseason. They couldn't finish higher than 15th. Notable personalities were saying. They've put so much into this game that they once tried to start their own league. The Brisbane Broncos claiming back their own home. The new brute force. The Dolphins. The financial backing of their own shopping centre. Their own leagues club. The greatest coach of all time on their side. Brave enough to put the word Kings on their jersey. But unfortunately on the night, they weren't ready for the Prince, Reese Walsh. As the Brisbane Broncos walked out victorious 18-12 at Suncorp Stadium. Really good game. I mean, this, is, this couldn't have gone any better these first few rounds for the expansion, for the NRL, for the league. And even for the Broncos, as I've said, uh, 4-0, great start. Maybe I undersold them as a top four team. You know, maybe there's a higher ceiling. Probably not with uh, the length of the season and there's buys to come and and whatnot. But really good game. Really impressed with the performances of guys like Payne Haas once again. Uh, the Dolphins brought the intensity just like the Dragons had the prior week. And at some one point they had a little little glimmer of hope that they're going to win that game. But it did feel like, at least for me, throughout the whole fixture and Adam Reynolds had similar post-match that if all Brisbane had to do was hold the ball and they'll win this football game and they were making good metres at the end there looking like they'd break the line. I mean, I know Wayne Bennett said that the only place they lost was the scoreboard but they were also the team that had more possession but they lost the line break 6-3. to three. They lost the run metres battle uh, 1,821 to 171. One, you know, they, they had missed more tackles the Dolphins did so obviously broke less tackles as well. Broncos made more tackles, even even though they missed less. So it did feel like a game that Brisbane would win if they held on to the pill, and that they did. And it's unfortunate for the Dolphins that they lost uh, Cody Nickarima in only two minutes on the field. Sean O'Sullivan, 60 minutes. feel really sorry for him that, that, that that's happened and that who knows when we'll see him again next. But pretty happy the Broncos won. 4-0. The first battle of Brisbane, again, as the famous Nicholas Camden would say, you could only win the first battle of Brisbane for the first time once, and they did do that. Um, great to see Katoni Staggs lift and play like we we know he can. It's been a while since he's put two games together like he has these last two, but he even before that runaway Matt Shearling try with the great moment after it. Anyone who thinks at moments over the top, I think, uh, I don't know, thinks maybe just enjoy some things. You know, try and join the league. If they they don't want it, you don't want it to be treated like any other game. It's supposed to be treated like it's not. And it was good that the players seemed to buy into that to start building this rivalry. But yeah, Katoni before that game was taking tough carries, defended really well, and then sealed the match on that moment. And it was a very classic Anthony Milford two or three minutes that whilst they got possession back from Reese Walsh, not dropping the bomb he put up, but dropping the return. Uh, it just take that field goal shot, mate. Like, we all know he can kick a 40-meter field goal, but once again, he didn't take it to, to level the scores and then end up putting that terrible grubber in that the Stags took the whole field and he broke through two ang- angle taps to, to have the gas to still do that. It was pretty impressive for a guy who was still cramping a couple of weeks ago. Uh, as I said, Reese Walsh still makes almost every post a winner. Just so active, just on the ball always, always looking to attack. A really impressive player. 
you know, it's hard to say best signing in Broncos history considering he was a Bronco and he's coming back, but it's already entering that territory, even though it's only been a couple of games. Uh, Jordan Rickey, physical and defense. Don't know. What's doing there? Still playing well. If you had to pick one of the back rowers who was the rep footballer, despite Kurt Capel's uh, try in this game, which is great set up by Adam Reynolds when the team needed him again, you'd think Ricky was actually a direct footballer in his team based on the evidence so far this season. Not saying he's of that quality, more saying he's outperforming the other guy on the other edge. Uh, Selwyn Cobbo, rocks and diamonds. Would love some more diamonds with those rocks. And usually he is far more diamonds. But they're bombing that try to go from trucking Hammer and Nichols to... uh, <laughs> celebrating early, having Nichols strip that out, which is a great play. Unfortunate, but nice to see them win despite not really playing that well, which is, again, this is good team stuff. 4-0, their best starts in 2003. Probably lose to the Tigers because this is that's the, the, the dip that comes after being up for so long, so many games in a row. But, yeah, fantastic contest. Happy the Dolphins are here. Didn't know I'd be there at that point, but it just feels like they're going to push Brisbane to their best, even even if they're not at the same standard as, as a football side. It feels like Brisbane are taking that city for granted for a while, and this might help them not do as such. Fantastic win. Fantastic night for the game. The Broncos' top one tour is well and truly underway. Goodbye, Mitchell. My favourite part about that was I thought he was going to compliment you, saying the government sent their best man up, but then boom, twist. Bang, got me. Yeah. How many times did you bang on the glass of the press box saying they should be 10th? Well, when Anthony Albanese called me in his office yep. on Friday morning and he said, Campton, I need you to shut these Broncos down. They're a, they're a threat to national security and yep. I need you on the inside doing everything you can. And I said, Albo, I'll do it for you. And I didn't do it for him. I yeah. let him down. <laughs> I totally failed in that mission. Um but no, this was um, this felt like a really special. Night. I'm just glad um, that it was a good game. That's all. All I really wanted was for it to be a I'm, contest. I'm really, I'm really glad I was able to be there because mm. it did. It felt to me like something that will change rugby league in Brisbane forever, and that means it'll change rugby league forever because Brisbane's such a stronghold of the sport. There was a real buzz around the city for a couple of days before the before the game. You could you could really you could really feel that something that something big was happening. It was all anyone was talking about. I um, made a point to get there early and sort of hang out on Caxton Street and kind of just see how it was all filling up. I was stunned by the amount of Dolphins jerseys that were there. You know, they the, the Lord Alfred, where we've had the, the meet-up for the show over the last couple of years at Magic Ground, they've sort of taken it upon themselves to be like the Dolphins oh. pub and that was just crawling with people and all that. And then when the Broncos ran out for their warm-up, you, like, there were a couple of boos. And it's not like, you know, the boos crashed down on them or whatever, but there were a couple and you could hear them and... It was the sort of thing where, like, for the very first time, Brisbane felt like, not strangers, but, you know, they felt like they, they were genuinely sharing their city with someone. And, and you could feel that in the atmosphere all night. I think on the on the television broadcast, they sort of said, oh, it's like a state of origin atmosphere. And it wasn't really like that. And I didn't really think it was like a Roosters, Rabbitohs atmosphere or anything else like that. It, was, it wasn't as hostile as origin, but it felt, what's the right word? It felt intense. Like, no, it felt more spread out right. than Roosters Rabbitohs. There was a whole lot of, to me, 
there was as a neutral, there was a whole lot of just how good's this? Oh, okay. How good's Brisbane? How, you know what I mean? Like, it, it, it was more people soaking it in. That's that's than right. wanting to yeah, jump on the field and fight a, someone. Not as yeah. much hostility. Yeah, okay. or anything like that. Um, and then I thought the game was was a ripper. I thought it was really, really tough. Um, really back and forth. I think it was pretty clear early on that Brisbane had, had like both teams, as we know, are extremely tough and extremely committed. Um. But it was clear from the start to me that Brisbane just had a lot more strike about them, which is to be expected with Reynolds and Mam and Walsh and Stags and Farnworth and Cobbo and all the all the great attacking weapons they have. But their execution was just was just a little bit off. You know, they dropped a lot of ball and that they sort of uh, got dragged into a bit of a dogfight by the Dolphins, who lack a little bit of that creativity and a little bit of that spark, but they made up for it by just being really sure of what they wanted to do, really committed to uh, the way they wanted to play. I thought Sean O'Sullivan was really, really good when he was out there, you know, not doing big flashy things, but just running the team around the park, getting them where they needed to go and all that. And when um, when Hamiso Taboafito scored that try, I thought, are these are these Finn pricks going to do it again? Like, is this seriously, seriously going to happen? Are we going to come away from here thinking again, how did Wayne do it? How did they do this? But then Brisbane's real quality came to the fore and 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 that and that's a tough thing to do you know to sort of center yourself and 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 go back and trust your systems and trust your processes when you're under the pump like that so I thought that was very impressive from Brisbane and Mitch talked a little bit about that last moment with um with Gatoni Staggs Mm. going the length I absolutely loved that and what was the crowd like when that happened hooting and hollering is not a strong enough (laughs) word man it was it was crazy it was absolutely crazy because in that Set beforehand. Well, they, the they, Dolphins they were, yeah, they were on the ropes. Right. The Dolphins yeah. had a spread right, and I thought they were going to score. Like, it looked like they had the numbers. And somebody came across and made a really good defensive play. I can't remember off the top of my head, but someone from Brisbane. And then Anthony really Milford said, play. I've got this, boys. I got to tell you, <laughs> when he was doing that, I could, I could, like, oh my God, this is going to kick up a guy over someone's head or whatever. But then Staggs made the play and he went the length. And I loved how much, I loved how much this win meant to the Broncos. I love how they clearly took it. They really like came into this game. They really made it important. They took it personally yeah. that there was a new team in their city, you know. And I think that's something that was something I didn't consider when the Dolphins were coming in, like the impact it would have on the Broncos. And I think the Broncos have probably taken Brisbane for granted for a little bit, which is understandable because they've always just had it to themselves and they've always been the biggest act in town by a thousand thousand miles. But now there's this new team here, and a lot of people like them, and they're sort of the new hotness and. And Brisbane have to fight harder for what they used to get for free, you know. And I, I think that's bringing the best out of the Broncos, you know, on on and off the field. Um, so I think it's really given them a great shot in the arm as well. Like that Stags moment, that'll be replayed, yeah, forever. Well, you it, know, you you've got to get wins to, st- to like you have to win games to get people interested to start with. But I think once you get to this point where you're selling out a stadium practically for the first derby, I think. Now we're at the point now where this game is going to mean something going forward, regardless of the form lines of both teams. And that is the sign, to me, of a true rivalry. Like, regardless of how the Roosters and Souths are going, Roosters and Souths is still a big game. Like, um, and, you know, we've seen that fade a little bit with other rivals, but I don't think it will in this case, because it, it, we, we just never had anything like this before. And now that we've got two Brisbane teams, um, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to many more of these. And whilst, as you said, it can only happen for the first time once, I mean... 
right now it's got potential to be the biggest rivalry in the sport within a few years. Well, the, the size of it is what makes yeah. is what makes a difference. So the Roosters Rabbitohs is big, right? But that's just two parts. But it would be like if Roosters Rabbitohs were the only two teams that's in Sydney. That's it. That's it. Imagine if the, imagine if there was two teams in Sydney, right? And that was all that was all we had. You know, like Brisbane's one of the great rugby league cities, mm. and there's two teams, and it's pick a side. Like neutrality isn't really an option anymore, which is which is really really exciting. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head if Mitch mentioned this in his opening tirade, but Payne Haas, fantastic again. The Dally M leader now, which... That's good. That's like, you know, that's two wrongs making a right. It's a bad Dally M system, but we've got the right guy leading it. I really love what he's doing at the moment where his first stint is really, really tight and really up the guts. And then his second stint, when he comes on with about 20 to go, he's running a bit wider and he's using his footwork to isolate smaller guys. You know, he did it to great effect against the Dragons last week. He did it again um, this week where he ran over the top of Sean O'Sullivan, and that's when O'Sullivan got injured. And I, I really love that because, to me, that's really getting the most out of him. You know, like, he, he, he can be a battering ram. He can be the finest... He might be the finest battering ram in rugby league, and that's great, but he's unlocked this other dimension of himself at the minute, which is which is great to see because a lot of guys sort of get to that top level and they, they just sort of stay the same. It's great to see a guy get to that top level and then add more facets to yeah. his game. Um, another thing before we move on, should Herbie Farnworth be worried that he might not be the fullback at the Dolphins next year? Well, I, I'm, I, I would be if I was him. Because I thought Fido was, yeah. was terrific again, you know? Like, the one the one knock I have on him was not rounding up Kurt Catewell um, mm. on that break for the try. I yeah. thought I thought Tabai Fido got surprised by Catewell's, by Catewell's speed on that one. Yeah. Which, when you're the fastest man alive, you know... That can happen. I imagine yeah. that can happen sometimes. But he was great again. Ran for more meters than than any other dolphin. And I, I think it's a measure of, of what Wayne Bennett's sort of created up there, and what the players have created up there as well. That the Dolphins were without Jeremy Marshall King, their starting hooker, without Felice Kafusi, sort of big their, outs. Their back row enforcer. They lose Cody Nikarima, their other hooker, um, before half time, and they've got Ray Stone playing hooker. They lost Isaiah Katoa before kickoff. Um, and then they lose O'Sullivan with 20 to go. And with 90 seconds left, they were still in the game. They were still right into it. I, I'm a little bit worried about what might happen to the Dolphins from here because O'Sullivan's going to be out for a really long time. And that's a huge, that's huge gigantic for them. Because he's been so impressive for them. And I think he's turned into a real leader for them over these first um, couple of weeks. Like, And as injury and suspension of a long season start to bite at them, it, it could be really hard because they're getting the most out of their squad right now, but the, the, the depth probably isn't quite yeah, there. And, and I, I know he put on a try, but I don't think Milford did a lot that was great. He missed a lot of tackles. Yeah, I, kicking I, wasn't good. I didn't, I didn't think he was that strong. No. Um, and if he's going to be in the halves alongside Katoa yeah. for the next couple of months, that's not great. Judging from what Bennett said after the game, Katoa will play halfback and Milford will play 5'8". Mm. Um, Unleashing him. Unlocking him. Maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe yep. this is his time. Two, two more really quick things yep. I want to touch on. Um, and these, and I only want to touch on them because they're the sorts of things that you that you that really stand out in person, All right? So we already know how good Corey, how important Corey Pay is to this Broncos team. Yep. Like the Broncos fans want more of him every single week. At the ground, it's really, really apparent how good his pass is. Like it's as good as any hookers in the competition. How quickly it's, it 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 flings off the deck, and it gets to the point where if they've got a backline spread out. You can tell how well it's going to go based on how good the pass from pay is. You know, it just gets everything moving. I was 
I was I already thought he was a good player and really important to him, but I was quite struck by that. And the other thing is Walsh. You know, Walsh, yeah. is, he's, he's electrifying when you watch him on TV. When you see him in person, the way that he's able to just slide on the outsider, guys, just just with two steps and then bang, and then it's, it's just happening. There's a world where he's the biggest star in the sport by the end of the year. Oh, yeah. That's mm. that's very, very possible. Um, yeah, so if you guys, if you get a chance, if the Broncos come to your city, like go and have a look at them. Because or go to theirs for Magic Round. Just go, just go up there for a game because their yeah. games are going to be like parties now for the rest of the season. Like... But yeah, like go go check out Welsh in person because as good as he is on TV, he stands out even more when you when you're watching him live. Yeah, absolutely electric. All right, let's move on. Just the two games on a not so super Saturday, but uh, regular Saturday they're yeah, calling it. Yeah, mm. uh, I watched most of this one on a train on my phone. But uh, North Queensland twenty four, Titans twelve. This is about what we expected. Again, this is a bit similar to that Storm game where like. Not a lot of it shocked me. I will say though, Cam Pereira is one of my favourite new players in the game. I really like him, mate. He's I, good. I tweeted on. Can um, Jojo Fafita come night. come down south? <laughs> no, but I, I think uh, the thing with Cam Pereira reminds me a little bit of young David Mead and young Kevin Gordon. Remember when they came yeah. to the team for the Titans and they were Joe's? They were both just fast as fuck. Just a couple <laughs> of quick boys <laughs> scoring tries. Yeah, I um. So to me, this the cows in this one were a little bit like the storm against the Tigers, where they just had to get a win mm. and they just had to sort it out. But I thought they were quite fortunate because the top, to me the game really turned when the Titans lost AJ Brimson and Kieran Foran at pretty much the same time, and all of a sudden that really nice left edge that we've talked about a lot um, this year and which delivered the first try for for Cam Pereira off a really nice pass from from Dave Fafita. All of a sudden that just wasn't running as smoothly as it was, you know, and, and the Cowboys made pretty tough work of it. You know, there was a nice, nice line from Nane for the first, for the first try. The, the James Tamo try, incredibly soft from, um, from the Titans. They would be really disappointed with that. The Holmes tries a length of the field intercept off a shocking pass from Tana Boyd. And then the Tom Chester tries sort of like just, you know, a little, what do they call it? A goal mouth scramble. Yeah, is that, yeah it was. Is that, what, yeah. is that what our soccer pals I reckon, score it? Well, that's that's Bournemouth winger Tom Chester <laughs> getting in the mix and, and tapping it in. So, so yeah, like so the cow. Like, we've talked a lot about the cows' attack. To me, they only they only created they only genuinely created one of their four. That was such a funny try. Tro- yeah, hilarious. Like I honestly think Jack Whiten should get a Daly M point for that try. <laughs> that's how hilarious it was. So yeah, but the. The cows like like the like the storm. They just needed to get some bat on ball, and I guess I guess they did in this one. I thought Tal Malolo was was pretty strong for him. I still would like to see him play more minutes. I was a bit surprised that he didn't. I thought Tom Dearden's running game really came to the fore. Um, so, I, but I think the cows just did what it takes, you know. And I think the Titans will come away from this one sort of kicking themselves a little bit and thinking, God, if those two guys, if only one of those guys had gone down, if Foran or Brimson had gone down maybe they could have covered it but losing them both just made it just made it really really tough i do want to shout out um mo fodawaker i thought he i think he's really i think really they're forward they're all their the big minute. forwards yeah. played well in this game i yeah. thought the titans oh fasil mala was was, was really good too you know so and i i did like what they were doing with fafita where you know he's always going to be a running threat but they were using him to set up stuff for other guys which is what i think you have to do when you have a, a damaging runner of his caliber, but um, yeah, I think the Titans will sort of rue this one a little bit. Thought they were, a, they just didn't quite get the breaks they needed, and the cows just, like we said, they just had to get it done any which way but loose, you know. Camper had five line breaks. That is quite a lot of line breaks. He's quick, boy. He's grease lightning. That boy, mm. man. He can. He Why can have they move. signed Kemba Marlow? 
I don't know. Ah. Maybe maybe they want like a, a more experienced option there because while Cam Pereira and Jojo Fafita are both really exciting players, they are you know, p- kind of prone to errors. Carl Pereira in particular can sort of mm. put a couple down. But then they've got Phil Sammy for yeah. that, you know, and he's someone who I actually think has been pretty good for them over the maybe the last season in a bit. So I don't know. But like, I guess uh, this is not a shot or anything at Souths, but I guess like if you can get more backup wingers, just why wouldn't you? Just I, in I, case something I don't happens. Understand. Like any of those four guys would walk into our team at the moment, but. Oh well, man. There's a there's an alternate universe where Phil Sammy is like a cult hero for the Rabbitohs. I'd be, like I'd just be okay with that. Hitting Gutherinos on people right. and shit. Well, we should talk about them. They won 13-12. Uh, touching tribute to John Sattler, who wore number thirteen for Souths, of course, just like they drew it up. Um, I missed kickoff because of the fucking tr- rail disaster, which is brutal. Like, I tried to get there early because I wanted to be there for the ceremony and the yeah. minute signs, all that stuff. Missed all of that and the first ten minutes of the game. Oh, that's a shame. I tell you, I'm watching it on TV. It was pretty. Spellbinding. I, I don't well, know how. I think friend of the show Scott Bailey tweeted that it was perfectly observed. Yeah, so. I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what it was. Um, but just watching on, on TV at the at Stately Campton Manor, mm. like, I, I don't know why the, the 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 emotion of the minute silence just came. The, the camera really where they really had the special. over the sh- over the back of someone's shoulder, just showing Scott Sattler. Yeah, I thought it, it was really it felt, good. It felt really special. I thought Souths mm. did a really great job with with everything with John just Sattler this week. Thank God they won. Oh, mate. You have to win this game. <laughs> they were absolutely awful, Souths. They, I got the dreaded, they don't deserve to win this, Matthew, from Poppy. At about oh, the, no. After the boneheaded Jed Cartwright penalty where he was on the ground at marker. And, did, you, and did you scream, deserve's got nothing to do with it, old man, I after d- the game? I would never disrespect <laughs> him like that. But I was like, honestly, it was one of the, like, they were so poor. Again, like, I, I haven't looked at it, but they were, they and the Titans were like, last and second last for completion rates before this round. I dare say they haven't gone up that table after this performance. I think that they were at, they were below 60% when AJ made that error where he juggled the ball and then got tackled and dropped it. That was that dropped them below 60% for this game. So they probably got slightly back over that by the end, but not by much. And it just felt like the only reason they won this game was because Manly's attack was so poor. Yeah. Like they just did nothing but either crash ball or early sweep to Ruben Garrick where... <laughs> What is he going to do when he gets the ball after four passes and he's 25 metres out? That was it. That was their attack. Well, I, th- I think we talked about a little bit last week about how Manly's win over Para felt a, bit, a little bit like the Vlando Ball days. And I think Manly are the last Vlando Ball team. Yeah, I agree with that. If they're on top, they will cut you to shreds. Because Schuster will have a heap of room and Trebojevic will be making metres like he's an extra forward and it all just happens so quickly and there's not much he can do about it. But if you stand up to him and you stop them getting that roll on, which I thought Souths were able to do because Keon Kolomatungi moved back to the middle and I thought he was fantastic. I thought that was a great move from Jason Dimitri. Normally a weakening a strength to strengthen a weakness isn't a good idea, but given how short they were on middles, they just needed that presence and I thought Keon really gave it to him. So Souths were able to just sort of dig in uh, batten, like batten down the hatches, get in the trenches. And to me, this was a game that they won almost solely on their effort. And that's really mm. typified by the Cody Walker try where on like watching it, I, was like, it. I was like, no way. And even Walker didn't look like he, no, he didn't think he sh- it. Shades of Benji Barber 2012. Yeah. Yeah. And like, but they showed on the replay and Walker made it because he just didn't give up on the play and he would have had every right to. Mm. No one would have blamed him if he didn't, but he, but he made the second effort to, to get down there, you know, and, and to me, just making all those efforts and having all the difference, the little differences that they make, adding them all up is what won this game 
for Souths in the end. It was interesting. Like it just felt like every time Souths held onto the ball, they just had their way in the middle. They were they were getting kicks off from about Manly's forty basically every time they completed a set. But for a long period of this game, they just could not get to fifth tackle at all. Mm. And I know it was wet, but like it's a genuine. I think they had a similar issues at the start of last season as well for the first like few games. But like it's become a real problem in these four weeks so far that they just haven't been able to hold onto the ball at all. And I don't really know how you fix that. Do you just tell Tom Burgess he's not allowed to touch the ball anymore? Or like, because you need him to run the ball. So that's that's the catch-22, Nick. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, I I tend to think that that'll come. Like every team has bad so. handling days and all that sort of thing. And I actually thought Cam Murray probably had a... One of his worst games. Yeah, still, of, still got a dalian point. Yeah. He threw an intercept for a try. Bit of a, bit a, bit of a, bit of a tougher one. But like that'll all, that'll all come. That'll all come for South. But they really showed... A lot of ticker in this one, um, which which to me at this time of the year, that's more important than playing pretty and looking good. I'd like to see them do more of those early spreads. They started doing it a lot in the second half as well, where they just get the ball out to Tars, and he Tars ended up with over two hundred meters. Thought because, Tars had a great game because they kept swinging it out to him early in the early or mid, in the middle of the in the middle of sets, sort of in their own half, and they were just gouging them for like twenty five. They weren't getting line breaks out of it, but they were getting like yeah. 20, 25 meters every time they did this move, and they did it four or five times in the. In, throughout that second half. And I'd like to see them do more of those early shifts going forward, especially when you've got Tars who's playing well and a devastating ball runner like Campbell Graham on the other side, who I thought, again, was very, very good. Very solid, yeah. Yeah. Um, can you repeat to the to the fine, handsome listeners, can you repeat the stat that you told me yesterday yeah, about I c- Souths conceding tries? Souths have conceded a try in the 39th minute of each of their four games this year. And if you include last year's prelim, it's five games in a row where Souths have conceded a try in the last minute of the half. So last last week was Daniel Tupo in the in the last minute of the half. Um, round two, it was um, uh, Isaac Tungo on halftime, and which was again like a like from absolute nowhere. Uh, at least the at least the Tupo one was kind of like a normal try if you like. And then uh, Sione Katoa in round one, 39th minute. And then of course, go back to the prelim last year. It was the runaway. Runaway, try, runaway, yeah. toy try. Five games in a row. No, but the best part is it's five games in a row. And like twice two, when they had the yeah, ball. <laughs> t- two of them they've had the ball, and one of them the other team had the ball in their own half. So like three of them have been long distance tries as well. It's I thought like, AJ was going to get Cherry on that. He, well, like, he, like he was he mowing caught him, him as is, is. I saw like go oh speed fraud. It's like he caught up he to him by like him, thirty five yeah. meters <laughs> in the space of sixty meters. He got him just as he was diving the line. But yeah, it's just but how? <laughs> just don't pass the ball on the last set before half time. Just just do dummy half runs and then kick it out. <laughs> do a little settler. Do do the little hand motion. Because uh, Jesus Christ, how? How can you know. do that for five games in a row? I think it's just a quirk, but it's pretty funny. Well if Melbourne do it this week, I'm officially saying it's saying it's more saying than it's a, quirk. a thing. It's a, it's a thing. Yeah. Um Lachlan Illy is kicking that Field goal. Thrillious. Thr- it was weird because he had a the couple lion of, of Athens. He had a couple of really good kicks in this game and then a couple of absolutely terrible ones as well. So a mixed bag for him. I'm not going to praise his performance. I thought he, he did some nice things. Again, there were some kicks that were dreadful. There was a grubber where he overcalled Cody Walker on the last late in the game and just booted it out yeah, dead by like yeah, that was a tough one. 10 meters. That was but, a tough one. You know, one of his better games, I thought. Well, uh, this I wrote in the preseason. I, d- I did a story on, on Lachlan Ilias, and he said that the big challenge for him this year was having the, the courage to overcall Latrell Mitchell and Cody Walker. Um, and as like he did that and then didn't quite execute um, mm-hmm. when he... That's the danger, the I guess. Yeah, but I... I was I happy. Was, that I'd like to see him do it, though. Well, yeah, and I think kicking that field goal like that after, you know, there was so much pressure on Mitchell every time because Manly was so convinced he was getting the ball. And I don't know who made the decision, but 
Ilias, you know, providing that second option and kicking that field goal. He mate, absolutely leathered it as well. Oh, he, he kicked the That would have been good for 45, he, I reckon. He really nailed it. Mm. Um, but that is, that's the sort of play, to me, that could give a player more confidence yeah. than, you know, that round one performance against the Sharks, as good as that was. Because this was game on the line when he hasn't had the happiest of nights and he's still able to execute and get it done, you know? And it was... Again, I don't know if, if he made the call or, or anything like that, but having the confidence to be like, yeah, it's me. It's me right now. It's not the best player on the team and maybe the best player in the world. It's me. This is my this is my thing. I got it. And he did get it. So I was really happy for him in that regard, you know? And maybe I, I maybe this is maybe this is one of those things that sort of built his, his his confidence and his confidence in his own execution and it was the sort of thing that could pay off yeah. a long way down the road well if you're if you're a South fan that only watch South games right you don't watch other teams play you'd think Brad Parker was like the best centre in the comp <laughs> he's, he's good against us every time he was really, he's had a really good season he's had a really good season I thought his battle with, with Campbell Graham was was, was a real he got him a couple one. of times it was yeah. good stuff um, Manly I, I just think they just got to be a little bit concerned about their attack and I don't know if Turbo's back yet he still seems like he's kind of reluctant to really Put the foot down if you get me. He's working hard. Yeah, he's working hard. They're using him a lot as a as a. As but they're a still trying to do those bullshit twenty twenty one tries, and they're not. Well, it's not going to happen, I, boys. I, I would like to see him play a little bit wider, a little. Bit I agree. It's, more it, often. You can't just give him the ball under the sticks on the fourth tackle and expect him to run through three forwards anymore. Yeah, it's, it's not yeah, but although he did do it against Parramatta, yeah. so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like. I think their attack just does. It does need to become maybe a little bit more varied, but I I, I think that'll come as as Schuster gets. A little bit more comfortable. I thought Olakowatu was was, great. was really strong again. That take for for the try that He's was really pretty. That that's, that was that's pretty not remarkable. fair. Yeah. Shouldn't be allowed. But yeah, it's 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 a funny one with Manly to go from the dazzling point scoring team from the week before against Parrot to sort of scoring a try off a kick and an intercept in in this one. So I think now that we're a month in and we can all settle down a little bit more, I think it's pretty clear that Manly is still. A work in progress, um, and I think there's a chance that they'll they'll get there, but their their their, their execution probably just isn't quite mm. where it needs to be at the moment. Yeah, you know, I still I still think Schuster is 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 the key, you know, and you could see that on the I think it was the I think it was Tom Trebojevic who was going to score when it got disallowed for a forward pass that was not well. Forward. We should talk about that. That was yeah. not forward. A terrible in a call. Million years. Like and then when uh, I watched the replay, I wasn't sure which pass they were talking. No, neither about. was I. Like that was that. And was, then that was there was some South fans online it's like, oh no, it was the Cherry Evans pass on the fifty. And I watched that and it's like, well, that's pretty flat also. Yeah. And also they got the ball back on the thirty, so no, it wasn't. Yeah. But so like you know, terrible that, call, if, if, shocking if, call. Say that try goes in, maybe the maybe the shackles open or something goes. So if I'm manly, I'm not. That was very confusing I'm watching worried, live because. I was right in line with Luttrell, and he mm. just stops. And yeah, that was really And I was funny. like, what are yeah. you doing? And then I'm like, oh. But also, you could argue that Luttrell would have killed him. So maybe the referee saved Tom Tavoyevich from not having even, his career ended. a puffer vest could, uh, could, could quit Luttrell <laughs> Look after that. Look at his hangdog one. expression. <laughs> learned his lesson. Um, South need a new winger. They just keep kicking at Isaac Thompson. He drops it a lot. It's not good. It's not good, Nick. It's not good at all. I did find that weird. Cherry Evans kept kicking at Johnston in the second half. And I was like, you sure? <laughs> you you going to keep doing this? He just kept doing it. I was like, all right, that's fine. All right, let's move on to Super Sunday. Feels weird. Yep. Um, <laughs> Don't like it. Sean Johnson's all the way back. This is Sean Johnson's year. We're back. <laughs> <laughs> for the 12th year in a row, this is going to be SJ's oh year. Oh, my God. He was... He was yeah, what a try to win them the game. Oh, well, let's, let's start at the start. Um, I really like the Warriors. I've been saying it for a couple of weeks now. I, I just really like... 
what they're doing. The I think top Webster's four tour. Doing, I think Webster's on. doing a, a really a really good job with him with a team that a lot of people didn't expect. He might be the most well known Andrew Webster in rugby league by the end of this year if he keeps this up. Shots at Webby. Just if he keeps this up. Shots at the dawn. That was a reverse shot. I was Mate. saying Webby's the big dog. Okay. Anyway. Um but yeah, so the the, the Bulldogs started really fast with the big Wahash going over. And I th- they sort of had the better of the play for about 20 minutes after that. And I was like, oh, wow, maybe I miss, maybe I misread this one. But then the Warriors just came back really, really strongly. And I, that, to me, was, was part of the... That was the most impressive part of this win, that the Warriors were able to weather the storm and bounce back. Because over the last couple of years, that, that just hasn't been the case. Like, they've been okay in games here and there. But when things go bad, they haven't been able to do much about it. But, but this Warriors team... Really, really can. You won't believe this. I'm going to wrap Tohu Harris again. Are you? I, I think, out, probably Payne Haas aside, I think Harris has been close to the best forward in the league this year. He's been real good. You know? And he's passing around the middle third combined with his yardage is just exceptional. Um, I thought the Dogs, I think after that first try to Kiraz, which was in the first couple of minutes, mind you, I think they thought they were going to be able to run over. Um, they were going to be able to run over the Warriors a little bit and they weren't able to do that. I thought their forwards, their middles were all... We're all pretty disappointing. Ryan Sutton is someone I've had, I've had a pretty big rap on, but I don't think he was uh, quite there, and I don't think he's been anywhere close to his best over this um, over this opening month. The try to Johnson, while I loved it because I loved SJ, what did you think about that one? Did you think it was a try? Or did you think? It was well, I only just watched because it. The worry, um, the, bo- the doggies fans are we were, not happy. They weren't happy, but it was weird. Like Phil Gould tweeted and saying I thought it was a try but also they've called those not tries for the last few years which I kind of agree with I think with. that's it yeah yeah well to, to me I think Marnie played for it a little bit and forget I might be wrong on this but I'm pr- I think the NRL announced earlier this year that if they think guys are playing for the instruct obstruction they won't give it to them you know so I, I don't know I if they dis I wouldn't have been surprised or disappointed or anything if they had if they had I think that's a classic it. vibes give it Sean Johnson it was eighteen thousand five hundred and ninety-five punters at, that. at Ericsson Stadium, and what would one of them have? Ericsson Stadium, yeah, look I at know, you. That was a nice one. Would one me. of them have have turned their back on gentle SJ? No, certainly not. I love. I, I know he does. I know. I know him running isn't isn't the thing that we look for from him anymore. But it's but still great when he does. I love it when he runs. So I really good. do. All right, and up at Marathon Stadium, um, the Newcastle Knights twenty-four, the Canberra Raiders fourteen. Uh, you weren't in a great place yesterday. Oh yeah, I hated this. Uh, there was. I mean, it was. 14-8 at halftime. Matt Frawley's kicking two-point field goals, which I thought was going to fall 15 metres short, but the wind took it. And then it just all went to shit for in about a 10-minute window after halftime. Like, not even a 10-minute window. The Raiders conceded three tries in six minutes off back-to-back sets to a heavily depleted Knights team. Like, no, no disrespect to the Knights. I thought they played with a lot of ticker in this one. and It's the third week in a row where I think they've dug really, really deep under trying circumstances. So that's really impressive. To me, um, Greg Marzu was great How on the wing. How good was he? Oh man, just Dom a, who they, they're saying <laughs> just up a, in Newcastle. Just a big tackle, just a big tackle busting beast, man. It's so so good. I um, thought Dane Gagai had had his best game probably since the start of last year. Yep. And I thought Tyson Frizzell had one of his best games as a knight. I think I don't know what it was, but he came on and really seemed to to have um, a bit of fire in him, which is what I love to see from him because he's got so many physical gifts and we just haven't seen it um, as we should have for a really long time now so there was a lot to like for the for the knights and all that i i, I lucky miller was terrific again he's at been the back. Im- he's like, been impressive um I, that's kind of the silver lining with the with the kaylin ponga situation yeah. which you know you don't like to see anybody go through what he's going through 
at the minute, but they've got a real they've got a real winner in Miller. I really like him. I really like how involved he gets. I love how safe he is under the high ball. He refuses to get to get rattled as well. I think he's been super those, for them. Those and sideline conversions where he wound Oh, he's bending him in, in the breeze. That was, swinging that it, was giving really it, good. Give a little yeah. reverse swing. Love yeah. that. And um, I thought Hastings and Gamble struck a really nice balance. They were playing with so much width. They were Sting and Canberra on both edges a fair bit, which was which was uh, really, really good to see. So this was a really, a really good win mm. for the Knights. And considering how depleted they are at the minute without without um, Jacob Safidi and Origin front row, without Kalen Ponga, probably their best player, that's really, really impressive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, th- they, along with the Warriors, I think have been the team I've been most pleasantly surprised by so far yeah. in, in 2023. Um, have you been unpleasantly disappointed by your beloved Raiders? Uh, this was really bad. This this was well the game was the really entire bad. game hinges on your star player leaving the ground to shoulder charge a kicker in the face. Well, okay, so Jack White had a bad game in this one, right? I thought I thought the sin binning for the shot on Hastings was a little bit harsh. Definitely a penalty, a sin bin. I thought was a little bit much. But that aside, that isn't what cost Canberra the game at all. There were two things to me that cost Canberra the game. One was the late changes they made. Jamal Fogarty was crook. There's nothing anyone could do about that, right? But benching Josh Papali'i and benching Zach Wolford was just... like I just, I just didn't understand that and then, one. And you then, know, because like, surely Wolford is much better suited as a starter. The Wolford-Starling combination worked so well for them for so long last year. Like, why wouldn't you go back to that? And Josh Papali'i, I understand he hasn't played so far this year and he might not still be fully fit, but if he's not fit, then don't play him because they haven't struggled when, for metres up the middle. Like, that's been a real... That's been a... That's when the, been a, that's when been the a chips are down, to, yeah. when the chips are down and the game's on the line and we're watching and it crosses to the bench and you've got the red horse and Papali'i sitting there cooling their heels. You've got... Those, those two are the game changers. Like What's Emre, going on? Emre Gilder and Pasami Sola have both been pretty good this year, but the game changers are Papali'i and Hornsborough. And w- I don't understand why they went on the field. And then Papali'i comes back with on, but four minutes pop, to with go. four minutes to go yeah. when the game's already pretty much gone. And I just didn't, I just couldn't, couldn't get my head around that one. But I think with Canberra, I think they got that early try to Hudson Young, and I thought they, they th- I thought, I think they thought they were just going to be able to steamroll mm. the Knights. And it just didn't end up happening. Harley Smith-Shields had a really tough game mm. at left centre. Um, I think it's getting to the point where he probably needs a stint in Reggie's just to get a bit of, a, a bit of confidence time. back. Yeah, because... It's Croker time. <sighs> may as well. I think, I think it... Bert Hoppawati didn't play be, great either. You know? Sorry? Bert Hoppawati didn't play Yeah, Bert Hoppawati. Um, but Matt showed, Tomoko's showed a lot of, really showed good. Showed a lot of faith in him last week and he's uh, didn't quite back Matt's it up. Matt Tomoko's great. Matt Tomoko's great. Um, James Schiller had another... Had a, had a pretty pretty tough outing on the wing as well. I feel a bit sorry When's for Rapana Seb Chris this, this week. Okay. feel a bit sorry for Seb Chris because... He does a lot of things well. He's trying, he's just so, not a he's fullback. trying really, he, really but hard. He, but he runs hard. He's got great work rate. But he's strong just, on the kick There's returns. just some things he can't do, like with both in attack and defense. Like they did this one inside-out play where he was the guy coming back through the middle. And if that's like a Jack White or like a Latrell or a Tommy, they might score. But instead, he just got his line wrong and just sort of got tackled. Yep. And... But I think he's a really good player. He just shouldn't be playing fullback. I think once he moves back to centre, he'll be really, really effective because I mm. think it's clear that he's worked on his body a lot. And I think getting two or three pre-seasons in a row has really made the difference. To me, he looks faster and he looks stronger, but that doesn't that just that doesn't make him a fullback. Um, and yeah, it, it it feels like Canberra just kind of let this let this one go. It feels like they they did it to themselves and. It's it, it was a really important match for them, an important win to get because they've got Penrith this week and Penrith always beat them. And then they got Brisbane away the week after that. And 
the way Brisbane are going right now, you wouldn't back Canberra with free money, would you? You know, now Whiten's going to miss both of those games. It came That's out earlier today that he's going to miss two matches with an early plea or three if he fights and loses. Canberra will probably fight and lose it, I'd imagine. Um, and then all of a sudden, they lose both those games coming up. Then they're one and... Oh, Five, six, bad. six. Yeah. yeah. One yeah. and six, and then all of a sudden, it's looking really, really but tough. But honestly, I just love seeing the Knights punch above their weight the last few weeks. Yeah, it's yeah. Been, it's I, been a really good story. Yeah. We, yeah. we don't need more Canberra misery. We'll get enough of that. Yeah, and look, come, honestly, so Knights fans deserve it. They've been eating shit for yeah, so long. it's good. So. It's good, good stuff. And then Manly this week, bit of a 97 situation. Mm, Dust, good and stuff. The, yeah. And then... um. Yeah, they got a couple of couple of tough tough games after that. But that's all right. It's all right. Mm. Sneaky little fun game against the Warriors the week after. That'd be Ooh, cool. That will be a fun game. Yeah. Um. But yeah. All right. Uh. One game left. The Cronulla Sutherland Sharks are all the way back with Nico Hines, the Dalian Player of the Year, leading the charge. A very handsome six votes for him <laughs> in this one. I told you. I told them all. People were writing off the Sharks. Don't worry. Nico will come back and everything will be fine. And guess what? Nico came back and everything's fine. You know what's funny is like. Like Heinz, Heinz was great in this game, right? And he deserves all the Dalian points and all the accolades, or whatever. But, but people were coming out saying, "Oh, it's a masterclass. It's 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 crazy. It's this. It's that." I didn't feel like, I didn't feel like Nico Heinz played a ten out of ten game. But I but I I feel like just by getting in there and doing his job and playing with the confidence that he does and the ability to open up both sides of the field for the Sharks is is what made the difference. So I guess that's the scary thing, is that there's so much more that I think he can offer. You know, this to me just felt like a standard Nico Hines game and he was able to yeah. to really cut him to pieces. So that's the really exciting part, you know. And uh, scoring points hasn't been a problem for the Sharks through those first three weeks, but nearly all those points came from either uh, Tricky Trindle or Will Kennedy combining, especially down that right-hand side. And Hines just that was able to open up both sides of the field for him and, yeah, wow. They just looked absolutely super out there. The, him and Kennedy combining was really, really exciting stuff. Yeah, the second half of this game was an absolute boat race. I mean, they're, all their outside backs did what they do. As you said, they've had no trouble scoring points. Why do you think their defense was so much better this week? Was it just because they were playing the Dragons, or is there more to it? I think part of it is, is, is they were playing they were playing the Dragons. I, I think at half t- uh, in the second half, they just sort of surged ahead and went to a level the Dragons couldn't quite hit. But the two tries that the Dragons did score were were pretty soft. It was a one-on-one miss from Hines on Hunt. Mm. And then Jaden Sewer sold somebody a dummy. I think it was Talakai mm. on that left side. Sure. Yes, it was Talakai on that left side, I'm pretty sure. So they weren't the best tries to concede, but when you've been locking, when you've been letting in twenty points, and then you all of a sudden cut that down to eight, that's pretty good, you know. And this is a Sharks team that's probably got a lot of gears and all and and all of that. And while the forwards are probably still a little bit of a concern, because I thought I thought um, the Saints were able to get the better of them in the middle of the field in the first half. When you can run and gun like they did in that second half, the forwards don't always matter as much. So. I think I think I think this is probably a lot closer to the sharks that we'll be able to expect through the rest of the year and all that. I still would like to I would like them to consider Trindle over Moylan because I do think that would just give their attack a little bit more a little bit more balance and a little bit less reliant on on what Hines and Kennedy can create. But you're not changing the team after you win by 32 points, are mm. you? That's no. Not happening. Is Blake Laurie okay? It was a nasty cutty cop late on. I think I I, I don't think he understands what pain slash injury is so I think he'll be alright right. he, he might have the highest approval rating of any player in the combo. Right I thought now. he was really good again he was good really really took it to him two down um, points which yeah. I think in a 40 point loss is kind of funny but yeah whatever. wow this new system what can it's you do very silly what can you do I um I want to ask you mm. what do you think about Zach Lomax 
because like the Dragons fans were really coming after him after this one. And it's been a sort of rough couple of seasons for him now. I think it's been a minute since we've seen I the think, Zach Lomax that we I th- know is in there. I think he just feels like he has to do too much. I don't know why. I don't mm. think he should. I think there's enough talented guys around him that he doesn't. But like every week he seems to just throw one or two stupid passes or force something that's just completely not on. This week it was kicking the ball dead. Uh, sorry, out on the full by like five meters trying to do a chip and chase. Um, I don't know. It's weird. I've always thought he was a really good player, but I think last year he took a step backwards and like he's kind of just okay now. And they need him to be much more than that. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I would like to see him and Suli swap back to... Their original sides get Lomax back at back at right center. Where I he don't like streamlined Suli, by the way. I want big fat Moses Suli back. Streamlined Suli's playing pretty good though. Yeah, it's not. I know it's not the same. It's like when Drew Carey lost weight, it's unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Lomax has to go back to that right side. I'm not 100 percent sure what they were trying to do with uh, swapping those two boys, but to me, whatever they're trying, it's not quite working. So. I want, and I wonder if, if if this is the beginning of the end for Anthony Griffin because this is too. You can't do this again. where you make him fucking sing for his supper. I know, well, like, but I'm just crazy. saying, like they had that late collapse against Brisbane, yeah, and then this is a local derby, a big game, and then they dish that up in the second half. That's yeah, two really big. Collapses no, but what, in what a I mean, row. like how, like, I'm sorry, you can't have a guy who's currently your coach and make him audition for his job again next year. He's either yeah. still your coach or he's not. Yeah, that's it. It's, you do. All right, um, and before we. Uh, do some news and stuff. Uh, this Thursday night, big game, Parramatta again. The Thursday night Eels. <laughs> yeah. Every week. Uh, and again, playing a good Parra. team off a bye. They're playing the Roosters at Moore Park. Um, it'll be a good game. Will be. I'm really interested to see what team the Roosters name because normally a full-strength Parramatta, I would expect them to be able to sort of control the middle of the field against the Roosters. But without Junior Bolo, I don't know if that's as certain as it might have been. You know, Regan Campbell-Gillard was great against the Panthers. Ryan Madison was really, really strong when he went back to the middle of the field. And we all know how good Jermaine Hopgood has been since he got there this year. But but to me, Paolo is still the best forward on that team, maybe the best player on that team. And he's a, he's a really, really big loss, not just with his yardage, but with his really strong passing as well. And I think he's become an emotional leader for Parramatta, and given that I don't think he missed a game for him last year, except except for when he was picked for Origin, they haven't had to be without him in any capacity for quite some time now. So that's a really big out for me. And like the Roosters were a bit battered and bruised against South. A couple of guys um, had to really tough up just to just to play. So they'll have they'll have the chance to rest up a little bit. And you know they'll have Hargraves. They'll have Hargraves. He was so good against. South Sydney the other week. I think Brandon Smith will be a lot better and all that. So I'm probably talking myself into the Roosters. Yeah, but I, but, but I will. I won't put the final tip in until the teams come out. I think you're. Gonna, I, you're gonna I agree with that, well. but I also think that yeah, they've been so reliant on their two star props, and one of them's not playing. So mm. that's enough for me to tip the Roosters as well. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh no, it's Simi Redrandra. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi-Rundrundra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Rundrundra. All right, a bit of news before we get out of here. Um, Parramatta, without prompting, have come out and said, we're looking to sign someone to accompany Clint Gutherson at, <laughs> at fullback. But he's staying. But... Uh, 
but but we're trying to find someone else also, but we're not letting him go. A bizarre story that came out yesterday. I'll read the tweet from a Michael Chambers yeah. really quickly. Um, so Michael Chambers tweeted yesterday, Eels aren't moving Gutherson on. They've had a conversation with him about looking for a fullback. May mean Gutherson plays centre. May mean Gutho stays at one and the signing comes off the bench to provide X factor. They want to let him know before they chased. Is, is it Matt Dufty? <laughs> we were having a bit of fun with this one yesterday. I had a few of the boys over, fired up the smoker, had a bit of pulled pork and a couple of beers for the lads. Is it Kristen Inu? And we were trying to decide what was the funniest possible player who Parramatta could sign and what kind of names were being thrown around. Dufty was one, Inu was another. Um, they, they, oh, um, Matt, Mo- Matt Moylan got a oh, shout. Matt Moylan would yeah. be the funniest <laughs> outcome for sure. Um, it was uh, Corey Allen. Yeah. A lot of X-Factors. Well, that's the thing. Like they say, it could be an X-Factor who comes off the bench. How many X-Factor outside backs who come off the bench are there in the, are the, are there in the entire Well, like has that ever really worked apart from when the dogs did it for, with Ben Barber for like for a like little a while? Month. Yeah. Yeah. And I then, always, he, was, and then like, he was just the full-time I always fullback. liked for 10 years after that that Warren Smith still called him the, the X-Factor because yeah, like of real heads knew. I, I think to me, this is Parramatta trying to play both sides of the coin. I think that they know that they've either got to because I get the feeling that Gutho's style is not going to wage well just because he works so hard and like he pushes himself right to the limit and there's only limits to how much the human body can take, how far you can run and how hard you can work and all that sort of thing. So I think they're looking to keep Gutho on side and get the best out of him for the rest of his career while also looking for someone who could be that next guy. I don't really like Gutho as a centre. I didn't think he was good there for New South Wales a couple of years ago because I just don't think it plays towards his strengths, which are his effort and his energy and all that sort of thing. But having said that, say they moved Gutho to centre and he was just a guy for them. You know what I mean? And then they signed somebody like Dane Laurie or Jaden Campbell or something like that. If it was that sort of thing, then I could probably get around it a little bit more. And Para have had a bit of trouble shoring up their outside backs but it's it's just the way it's all phrased is quite we kind of need to see who it is right that's that's the what if semi's coming home to play fullback well you know i would love that that would be dude imagine imagine rad radra and sivo that's illegal that that is against the law yeah god damn that'd be awesome um but you're right it depends who it is it does and i just but i just find the sober side they're not going to pick up anyone in the middle of a season that's better than clink Gutherson. Is it not going to happen? I think, is it for this season or for next year? Well, I don't actually know. I thought it was for like now or was it for next year? I got the impression it was for uh, maybe for next season. Oh, well, we could have watched the little video that associated with that tweet, but I'm not going to. That's so. right. Fight the power. Absolutely. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah goes resign with Penrith. Yep. I think and you've explained why the picture was under the sea. Okay. So when Penrith announced the re-signing, they tweeted a picture of Isaiah under the sea, you know? Where, where Which is his know, solution to everything. Solution to everything. The reason that they have done that is when Penrith won the comp last year and they all gave themselves Top Gun call signs in the lead up to the grand final, Isaiah Yo's call sign was Octopus. So that's why he was under the sea. Because octopuses, or octopi, if you will, live in the ocean. Oh. That's right. Yep, fantastic. Um, Isaiah Yo is one of the best five forwards in rugby league. Like, sign him for as long as he wants to be Absolutely. there. Um, and, you know, this probably could earn more time on any other show but you know we got a lot to talk about and uh joseph swali is going to rugby in 2025 yeah put him in the reserves for two years i say (laughs) yeah i um i i really don't like 
what's happened with Joseph Sawalee over the last couple of years. Um, I think the way that he is sort of covered and discussed in the rugby league discourse reflects some of the worst aspects of that discourse. You know, um, he's someone who, when he made his senior debut in a reserve grade game for the Roosters, a reserve grade trial match, it was literally on the front page of the Sydney Morning Herald. He has been nationally famous as a sportsman from the time he was about 15 or 16. One of the things I really don't like about rugby league coverage at the minute is the obsession with transfers and people's futures at the expense of what's happening right now in front of us. It's the worst. And the fetishization of young players, how a young player isn't just a young player, he's the next this or and, the, and the, the next The biggest y. problem with this was, like, Swiley's a great player, right? Don't get me wrong. But he didn't burst onto the scene like a young Greg Inglis or a young Israel Folau. And that was the discourse the entire time. So when he wasn't Greg Inglis, people were like, oh, this guy's a fraud. Yeah. It's like, he's not. He's well, really good. That's the thing. Like, the, I think a lot of the reaction to him leaving has been, oh, good riddance, he's just a winger or something like that. Like, he's 19 years old. To me, he's the best teenager in the sport by miles and miles and miles. I think any club would love to have him. They'd kill to have him. You know, I think his talent is really, really clear. But because of factors beyond his control, because of the way that he's been sold to the to the general public through the media, people are starting to turn on him. You know that that quote from a cup from last year or whatever that he was the Michael Jordan of rugby league. Yeah. Well, like, what are you doing? You like you're, you're asking him to measure up to a standard yeah. that is impossible. Yeah. And the constant discourse about him replacing the best player in the world. Yeah. At his position. Like, yeah. I don't know. I uh, yeah. So I'm I'm a I'm a big fan of of, of Joseph Sawali. I think he's going to be a great. player. And also, there's a big chance that after that rugby world cup, he just comes back. Yeah, I think so. he's going to be a great player no matter what Cody plays, no matter what position he plays. Um, but I'm glad that his future is now secured, so he can just go back and just be a player, because I it's think true. that's something that's been lost. I think this this is just a young kid who's 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 trying to make his way, you know. And I think that he's getting some some questionable advice from some parties at the moment. And I think that there's a lot of people that presume to speak for him that don't have the relationship with him that they think. Absolutely. And, um, yeah. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, but yeah, so hopefully we can just concentrate this footy. He's got two more seasons. so Yeah, plenty of time. Heaps of time. Long, right. Look, 2025 is a long time away. A lot really of things is. could happen All right. between then and now. Um, all right, before we get out of here, a quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon subscription service. If you want to support us, go to patreon.com forward slash rookies. You get access to our Discord server, merchandise discounts, um, an extra podcast every week. What? Uh, an extra podcast third every show. week? Yeah, three. You get three instead of two. Every week. Wow. Yeah. What quick maths. What a deal. For as little as $2 a month. Dude. Numbers. What a deal. Money. And a thank you to the people who give us more than $2 a week. Uh, and they are Chris Avnell, Cry Ricky Cry, <laughs> Dave, <laughs> Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Carlinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Horsburgh Scoresborough, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Jez Plus, Joel Wrigley, John, Josh Brandon, Kick South out of the comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Luke Ferguson, Maddie Jenkins, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my ding dong is hard and I am sad, Never Trendy, Pat McManus, Ray Stoned Gossard, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark, Seymour Butts, Shunter, Simo, Ty, TB, The Black Vegetable, The Not So Mature Student, Thor, Tom Hardy, Was and Westlife Podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. Excellent people who are going to have all their stock options reimbursed later this week. Do I understand how the stock market works? No, I don't.
but I know it's going to work out for our fine, upstanding patrons. And I hope this show paid dividends for you. Say goodbye, Campo. Bye, guys. See you, Bertrand. <laughs> it's goodbye from me. <laughs>